0: Well, good morning, Life Fellowship. Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. Turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6 is where we're going to be this morning. Before I begin in my sermon, I forgot to share something last week in my sermon that we're inviting you guys to be a part of. And one of the things that Pastor Dan and I do is we do a podcast called Life Talks. And whether you're new to this church or maybe you've come here for a while and have yet to listen to it, um, we, 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 had, we do this. Uh, we started this a few years ago so that we could have opportunities to continue to teach our church how to think and live biblically. and uh, But what we're doing is we're going to align our, our Life Talks podcast with this series. And so what we are going to do is ask you guys to, to, to submit any ideas or questions that maybe you would like Dan and I to touch on on a Life Talks podcast. They're about 20 minutes long uh, we don't get too deep into the weeds of things but uh, it's it's a great quick listen if you're looking to again just learn some things we had two episodes last week that we dealt with can parents be friends with their kids and then the other the other episode we had was on on different parenting styles so if you want to go back and listen to those uh, for this past week and then this week we have podcasts on the different uh, differences of the roles that mothers and fathers play in the home. So I hope that you will take some time to, to listen to that. But the email, if you have uh, questions, lifetalks at lifecharlotte.com. And that's the email that we have that you can submit questions or ideas to. And uh, we've already got a, a list of things. And, and uh, I'm sure you guys have some ideas that we'd love to hear from you from. All right. I'm going to have you guys do something with me that we've never done before. Are you ready for this? I want everyone, do you, you trust me? Yes. You trust me? All right. Close your eyes. Everyone close your eyes, all right? I'm not going to have you bow your heads because this is not an invitation, okay? Close your eyes. I want you to do a visualization exercise with me. And what I want you to visualize for me right now is what do you desire to have your family look like in 10 years? I want you to come up with a scene, a picture, all right? So maybe, maybe depending on how your age, your station in life, maybe it's a vision of, you know, you're having your children, grandchildren, maybe you're young and you're thinking about even marriage and children, it's, or maybe, you know, whatever it is, uh, who is in that picture, who's in that vision, what's, what are the faces that you see, what's the, what's the expressions on everyone's faces, where are you, okay, and maybe some of you are more concrete thinkers and you want to think of words, so maybe, Maybe think of some words that are going along with that scene that you're visualizing right now, okay? Okay, you can open up your eyes. You can open your eyes. You get that picture? You get that, that vision that you had in your mind? All right, now something fun that you can do later on for lunch today is to talk to your spouse or your kids and say, what did you see? And if there's two different pictures, you got some counseling to go to, all right? I'm just kidding. Uh, but but this, the reason I had you do that is because vision is a powerful thing. What you just did is you had a vision for what you wanted your family to look like. And the reason why vision is so important and the reason why vision is so needed is because we live in a broken world where things aren't really the way they should be. And so what vision is, is this idea that, man, something that, that doesn't yet exist could become reality. Vision is powerful. In fact, the Bible, in the, in the, there's a proverb that says, without vision, the people perish. We need vision to live. We need, we need an idea of, of thing, we have, we need to have hope. We need to have a sense of, of, of a, there's something beyond what is here now that is good in the future. And that's exactly what vision does. Whether you've had a vision for your life or you have a vision right now for your family, the, the important thing to remember is that vision compels action. Vision compels us to live differently. I think about when I was, uh, when I was young, back in 2006. When I say young, I was 30 years old, but it feels young t- to me now. But I was 30 years old. My wife and I, we moved to Denver, North Carolina to plant this church. And when you plant a church, what you don't have is you don't have a building, a building, you don't have a staff, you don't have, uh, you don't have many people, you don't have a lot of programs. You only, one of the things you lead with when you're planting a church is you, you lead with vision. Because what you're saying is, this church doesn't exist yet. And I know my experience at church has not been the, my, you know, the best experience, but what I envision is a church by which we see the things that God wants played out in this community. And so what, what, what I was always surprised by is that people that actually, people actually trusted me, that, that God was going to do something with this church, with this vision. And by God's grace, God did fulfill a lot of those great things that we had planned and envisioned. But one of the things that I, 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 was, I, was, I was taken back by and that I learned a lot by was that vision captivates people's hearts. And when your heart is captivated by something that's bigger than yourself, then you say, you know what, I'm willing to realign my life To that vision, to what could be. And that's exactly what we see here in this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6. What Julie, the passage that Julie read is this God is casting this vision to his people. Now, last week in in, in our series, when we opened up, we know we we talked about how God gave the the people a choice: life, life and blessing, or death and curse. And, And this is Deuteronomy is essentially one giant sermon. From the prophet Moses, it's his final act of obedience, it's his final act of faithfulness as he's led the children of Israel for decades. He's about to pass away. He's 120 years old. And this final sermon is saying, listen, I want you to have have success. I want you to experience the blessing of God, but the choices are before you. You have two choices before you. Either you choose God and you choose the blessing he wants to give you, or... You can choose your own way and your own path and receive destruction. But it's your choice. We talked about that last week. Well, what we're going to read about today is in Deuteronomy 6, the vision behind the message. The reason why God is, is, is bringing the people here is because he's, he's not just giving them a list of rules and saying, here's the rules, go do it. He shares these ideas that I want you to be faithful to me. Remember these four words I shared last week. Hear, love, keep, teach. Hear God, right? love God, keep his commandments, and teach others to do. That's basically the entire theme of Deuteronomy. We're going to hear some of those words mentioned here in the first three verses of Deuteronomy again. But what, what we have to ask ourselves is, what's the vision that you and i have for our families for our marriages for our future for the lineage like one of the things that i am captivated by in my own heart is i i don't know about you i pray for my grandkids i pray for my spouse you know i pray for my kids that they would marry godly spouses i mean i'm thinking of lineage prayers here i'm halfway done with my life and i'm like god I'm praying that you would do a work. I mean, usually when I was young, I'd, my prayers were all focused on me, and God would give me a wife. And now that I'm at this age, I'm now thinking beyond just myself, my generation, and even my kids. And I'm saying, God, I want a godly legacy that comes from my family. And, and if we don't have a vision for what we want God to do in our families, we're just going to let life happen. We're just going to let the the, the storms of life pass by and we're going to constantly be reacting to things in life. One of the things that I believe we've got to do is we've got to ask ourselves, do we have a vision? Do we have God's vision for our families? Because if, if there's a discrepancy between your vision and God's vision, you're not going to get God's blessing because God's... At the end of God's vision is his blessing and the fulfillment and the abundance and the joy and the goodness that's at the end of that road. But if we choose to do our own thing and live our own path, that's where heartache and pain is. That's where death and destruction lie. And no matter where you are today, sitting in this room, maybe you're sitting there in the vision. Maybe as you look back in your life, you're saying, man, life has not turned out for me the way I envisioned it when I was young. You know, things have been hard. Things have been difficult. There's been disappointment. There's been discouragement. There's been all kinds of things that have come in and has not not worked out. And where I am today, sitting in this room, I'll be honest with you, man. I once had this great vision for how my life was going to be. It's just different today. And, And if that's true for you, let me just say this. That God's vision is not something that, that, depending on, okay, you've passed it by. There's always the opportunity that God presents to, to all of us, his people, to say, you can always get back on track. There's always a choice before you to say, instead of go, me going this direction, I'm going to go in this direction. Let's read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1-3 through three, one more time. And I want you to pick up, just as I'm reading this, Pick up on, number one, listen for those words, hear, love, uh, keep, and, and teach, if any of those words are here. And the next thing I want you to listen for is the vision that God gives to his people. All right? Let's look at verse 1 again. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess it. All right? So this idea of vision, did you pick up on the vision that God was giving his people? The, the, the vision that God has is, is threefold in this passage, all right? And I'm going to have them on the screen. But in the end of verse 2, he says that your days may be long. And verse 3, it says that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly. All right. So those three statements that God is giving his people, he says, hey, I... This, the reason why I'm giving you this land, the reason why I want you to keep the commandments and the statutes and the rules I'm giving you is because I want this to be your life. This idea of that your days may be long. This is the idea of I want you to live a not, not just a long life, not just for you, but I want your ge- the generations. Remember he says, for your son and your son's sons. So it's not just... A long life personally, but it's longevity for your family. That's what that phrase means. That phrase is mentioned eight times in the book of Deuteronomy. The second phrase, that it may go well with you, that phrase is mentioned eight times as well. Three times it is mentioned with the first phrase. Okay, so these are phrases throughout the book of Deuteronomy. God is constantly through Moses saying, I want you to, to live a life that is enjoyable. That word, yatov, well, uh, th- that's what that word is. That, the, this is the idea of, I want you, I want you to enjoy life. And that's the message. I mean, you think about it, That's what God's desire is for his people. It's the same desire he has for us today. The last phrase, that you may greatly multiply. This word multiply is this idea not just our, not just descendants, not, not just having a big family, because that was very valuable in that day. That we have to have descendants, that we'd have children and multiple children and multiple grandchildren, that our descendants would multiply. That was a very high value in that day. But it's also this word that also can get translated increase. This word multiply is used nine times in the book of Deuteronomy. So as you can see, God's vision. For his people is like, hey, I want you to have this life. And if I think about what Jesus said, you know, almost 1,500 years after this, this sermon, when Jesus came, what do he say? I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. It's the verse that's etched in concrete or in stone in this building. This God's desire for us and for his people has always been, hey, I want to do you good. See, when we have God's vision for our lives, it's going to compel us to realign our lives to his. That's what it's about. That that vision compels us to realign our lives. Because if we're going one direction, and we we are captivated by a greater and bigger vision, we're going to realign ourselves under God. And so the main idea I want you to have this morning is this vision compels us to realign our lives. If you have a vision for your life and it's different than God's, there's problems are going to ensue. But but if we are captivated by God's vision, when we read those three statements and say, you know what? God, I want that for my life. I want your, the fullness of your blessing, then then that's going to cause us to realign and make sure that, God, I am aligned under your vision. That I want what you want for me. All right, so let's look at how, how what we need to realign. If, if, if God's vision is compelling enough for us to realign our lives, realign our families under God's vision, what do we need to realign? Well, the first thing we've got to realign is we've got to realign under God's heart. We've got to realign under God's heart. What I mean by that is we have to believe That what God wants for us is better than what I want for myself or for my family. That's what that means. That God wants something greater than what I want for myself. And now, the reason why I find this so fascinating is those three statements. Please put the three statements on the board again. I know I'm going back here, but the three statements that God gives, the three positive statements that your days may be long, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly. Do you know where we hear the echoes of these statements before? The Garden of Eden. Okay, remember last week when I said you have before you life And uh, uh, life and blessing, death and curse, it's the same choice that Adam and Eve made. We see the echoes of Eden in Deuteronomy 30 when we studied that last week. Right here, okay? That word, that it may go well, that word well comes from the root word tov, which is the word good what did God do when he, created, when he created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden after everything he created? It was good, it was good, it was good. And when he puts man in the garden, he has this, this perfect, this perfect, uh, beautiful place of harmony, God with man, man with each other, man with creation. There's this, it's it's beautiful, it's wonderful. And he says, God looked upon it. and says, This is very good Tove. And it's this idea, I want to do you good again. The word multiply. What's the, when's the first time we hear the word multiply in the Bible? God brings Adam and Eve and says, what? I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply. I want you to increase. What's happening here? God is saying this. God's desire for humanity never changes. And if it was true from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 2, It's true today. God wants to do his creation and to do humanity good. I want to do you good. And what he's doing with this statement, realigning under God's heart, this is what he's basically saying to the children of Israel. Let's do this again. Let's try this again. It didn't work out last time. You know why it didn't work out last time? Because when Adam and Eve were in the garden, everything was good and everything was right. They decided, you know what? I want my good i want my definition of good and see the problem that that you and i have is that when we live our lives according to our own good we make a mess of things instead of god's standard for good and if we can trust god and when he 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 ties his good that may be well with you to his statutes to his commandments to his rules listen he just in the previous chapter, chapter five, he just gets done Moses teaching the Ten Commandments again. And what he's saying is these are not just dry, stale list of rules that you've got to keep, and, and God's like this, this mean person trying no, he, what he's saying is, if you want to live the good life, do these things. Do these things because when you do these things, you will get to experience the goodness that I'm offering you. But when we come up with our own sets, and list of rules that we're going to live by. It's all about us. It's all about me. I don't care about anybody else. Because here's the problem with our good. The problem with our good is that we will use people and abuse people to get what we want. And therefore, what might be good for me is not good for anybody else. See, what's, what's amazing about God's good is that God's good works for Everyone. I've I've never built a house uh, from scratch, but th- my wife and I about 15 years ago we bought a house and we did some remodeling inside of it. And it was just kind of this empty shell. It was an addition that never was finished, and and uh, so so one of the things we did is we had a, we had to hire an architect and we had to you know talk to some general contractors and you know some some laborers and because we wanted to finish off the, the second half of this house. And, uh, you know, whether you're doing an addition like that or whether you're building from scratch, you know, the three most important people that you can talk to when you're building something like that is the actual owner, because you as the owner, you have this vision for what you want this house to look like, right? You have a picture of what you, where you want to spend your life in and with your family. And, and so the, the homeowner and what they're looking for is, is really important. Then you have the architect. The architect's able to take the vision of what the, the home builder wants, is able to sketch it out and say, okay, we can do this here. And, but here's, they're aware of the limitations. They're aware of things that they can and cannot do. But you've got to work with the architect to come up with a, a structure plan for what, 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 is, what the dream is or what the vision is. And then you need the general contractor that says, I can take the plans and here's the process for how I'm going to work it. I need to hire these people first and I've got good laborers over here. But they're kind of have the, the, the day-to-day figuring out how to accomplish what's on paper and make it a reality. Now here's what you and I need to understand. God is the homeowner, he's the architect, and he's the general contractor. Okay? And what happens is, he invi- God invites us and says, Hey, I want to invite you in to build this house with me. This is going to be a beautiful house. This is going to be amazing. And I want you to do this with me. And we go in there and you're like, I don't like this wall. Whack, 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 whack with our sledgehammer. Right? Because we want what we want. I don't like that wall there. Let's take that down. No, 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 no. You're messing up the plan. And when you come in with that, when you're a rogue construction worker can do a lot of damage to a home site. Can they not? And what God wants to remind us of is he's not looking for rogue house builders. He's not looking for, for people to come in and say, I don't like these plants. Let's come up with something different. We have to trust that what God wants is best. It's not just best for us, it's best for everyone else, and it's best for God. It's best for His glory. And we've got to submit and realign our hearts and say, God, what you want is best. Your good is better than my good. Do you believe that? Is your vision aligned with God's, or do you have a vision that competes with God's? That's the question you've got to wrestle with. The second, the second thing that we've got to realign is we've got to realign within God's order. Realign Within God's order. Now those three things that we talked about, that your days may be long, that it may go well with you, that you would multiply greatly. There's not a human being that when you think about that, would you like a long, fruitful, enjoyable, pleasurable life? Is that what you want? Yes. Okay? That's what I want. Those promises that God gives to the people of Israel in this passage are things that are just ingrained in us. This is something we desire. And and the problem is, though, many times, we want those things apart from God. Look look again what it says in chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God. Now, underline that phrase right there, that you may fear the Lord your God you and your son and your son's sons by keeping all of his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life. And after all of that instruction, he says that your days may be long, right? That, you, that it would go well with you, that you would multiply greatly. See, you have to get the first two verses right in, in, in Deuteronomy to get the three blessings and the promises that he's offering us. There is a cause and effect relationship To following God. If we follow God and live according to his ways and do the things he's calling us to do, there there are consequences to our decisions. One of the things that the the Bible, there's a biblical phrase for the cause and effect of life, and that is, you reap what you sow. Have you heard of that statement before? You reap what you sow. It's a farming phrase, and the whole it's this idea, this if I plant a, a tomato seed in the ground, what's going to grow up from the ground? A tomato plant, right? That we cannot expect to plant seeds of, of certain things and expect something different to pop up. And, and this biblical principle is being given so that, so that God is teaching us there is, an, a, there is a cause and effect reality to life. If you want the blessings of God, it requires, it it goes through the doorway of a relationship with God. Now, the reason I had you underline that phrase, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, is because, remember the four words, hear, love, keep, teach. This word fear is another relationship word. Okay? Okay and it's a word that maybe as americans 21st century americans we don't like using the word fear or the fear of the lord when it comes to de- describing how we relate to god but listen i'm not this is not talking about fear of the boogeyman okay this is not about terror like oh! like that's not what we're talking about when god says fear of the lord he's like don't freak out what he's saying is you need to have a reverent awe of who i am if you if you and I want to relate to God properly and in the right way it requires us to number one understand our intimacy with Him right there's this intimacy and closeness with God that has to be present that's what the word love represents but it's also this fear of the Lord that understands man God is awesome and God is worthy and God is great and, and until we understand the the fullness of those words both intimacy and In all all reverence, like those are the things that make a relationship with God dynamic. If we just do one without the other, we really misinterpret how we relate to God. But one of the things that Moses is reminding the people, if you do not obey the word of God, you will not get the blessings. And you'll never obey the God. You'll never obey God unless you love him and fear him. Relationship. Relationship always leads to blessing. That's what God's trying to teach to his people here. And when we try to circumvent God, say, God, I want to find a way around you to get to that blessing. Yeah, I want that stuff. Those three things, I want that. But can I get it without you? Or maybe what I'll try to do is I'll try to get that, but I'll, and I'll ask you for it, but I don't really want a relationship with you to get those things. See, in our own selfishness, in our own pride, many times we think we can get the things that God promises but not do it God's way. What God is always wanting for us is he wants us to understand. I, what God wants us to want is he wants us to want a relationship with him more than even the rewards of the relationship with him. Many of you know I'm going back to school, getting my degree in counseling psychology, uh, and uh, I'm reading a lot of fascinating books as I'm going back to school, and, and, and it's, it's been fun to, uh, to learn again in an in in academic environment. But one of the books I'm just recently am in the middle of reading, um, it's, a, it's a marriage book. It's probably one of the best marriage books I've ever read. And so get your pens out, all right, all you married people. Um, the book is called Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, and it's by John Gottman. He is not a Christian. All right, seven principles for making marriage work. And as I was reading this book, you know, I I have to read it for class and I've got to do some work with it, but but I'm reading it and I'm like, man, this is really good. And John Gottman is he's a researcher, he's a psychologist out in California. He has this thing called the Gottman Institute. And he has researched, he has done scientific research on thousands of married couples for decades. And he has come up with these seven principles that basically say, these couples that actually made it, like, this is what was true of them. You know, a lot of times we think, like, in our own minds, okay, in order to make marriage work, this is what has to be true. And one of the things he says is, like, every marriage has problems. Every single marriage has problems. And every married couple fights. Every married couple argues. And I, and I think one of the, it's, it's, it's really refreshing to hear that because I think a lot of times what Satan deceives our mind into thinking is, if my marriage has problems and I'm fighting with my spouse, there's something wrong with this marriage and i got to get out. You no, know, the reality is every married couple fights and every married couple has problems. And the key, one of the things that he makes this keen observation as I was reading this book, is that underneath all of these issues that are on the surface, right, what keeps a couple connected is a deep an abiding respect and friendship with each other. Friendship is key to a successful marriage, and you can go through a you can have a lot of issues you got to work through, but if the friendship is there and there's mutual respect there, you're going to make the marriage work. And again, this is not a Christian, but but I, he makes this observation, and I just thought about as I was studying this this, this week, I, I was making the connection. What God is saying is. There, there has to be the relationship. Just like in marriage, we want the blessings of marriage. We want the outcome of, all, of a wonderful, good marriage. But that's never going to happen unless there's, there's a foundational friendship, a foundational relationship that exists, that one person is not using each other to get what they want. And God is the same way. He's letting us know, listen, I want all of these things for you. I want you to live in this, in this land. I want you to be prosperous in this land. I want to give you the blessings. It's, it's before you. I want you to choose this. But you gotta understand something. You don't get this, you don't get this, the fullness of this blessing apart from love and fear of me, apart from intimacy and relationship with me. It, that's what is required. And we when we understand that, that there's no circumventing around God. To get the blessing, we have to realize, okay, God, I want your order of how to do things, not mine. I want, I want you first, and I'll let the blessings come. And that leads us to the third point, and that is we have to realign to God's promise and plan. We've got to realign to God's promise and plan. You know, we first have to say, okay, do I even have the same desires God has? Do I have the same definition of good that God has? Then we've got to ask ourselves, do I I want the blessing or do I want God with the blessing? Right? Because if we want the blessing apart from God, we're not going to get the blessing. We're not going to get that good life. But but Moses says something here that that I think is a loaded term. And it's loaded because there's history to this word. There's a lot of story behind this word. But look again in verse 3. Hear, therefore, O Israel, be careful to do them. That it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. This word promise, he says, the Lord, the God of your fathers. Now, maybe you uh, I want to remind you last week, and and we didn't really touch on this, but when we were talking about the covenant blessing in, in Deuteronomy 30 last week, Moses mentions Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And once again, that Moses is going to draw the, 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 the connection here that God, the reason why you're, this nation is here, the reason why there are, whether it's hundreds of thousands or millions of people standing at the precipice of the promised land, the reason why God is offering you this amazing opportunity is because God promised Abraham 400 years ago that I would bless him and make him into a nation. Now, when it says God promised you, that God has promised you this this promise, man, again, this this was the point for me that I really wrestled with. Because here's the reality of my life, and I'm sure it's the reality of your life, okay? There are things that, that, and I mentioned this in the beginning of of the sermon, there are things, and when we look back at the story of our lives, there are episodes and there are chapters that we wish, man, that was a tough one. And we hear these, we hear this promise of this blessing. I Man, God wants to give you this good life. God wants to bless you. And many times it just feels like, really? Seriously? Like, I'll be honest with you, God. It doesn't feel like blessing what I've been living the last few years. It's been hard. You felt distant. And I don't, I don't know what to do with these pro, you know. Ben's saying up there that, that you want to do me good, but I'll tell you what, there's been a lot of garbage in my life. And here's one of the realities as I was wrestling with this, this one word that God has promised you. It's this reality that the story, the story of Israel is, is, is in many ways a story of our own lives, right? God makes this promise, but it's not this clean, straight line. I mean, in between 400 years between the initial promise and God's about to fulfill it. 400 years to wait, generations waiting. And not only that, what's in between those 400 years, right? There's hardship, there's betrayal, there's slavery, there's genocide. But at the same time, what is there? There's faithfulness, there's salvation. There's miracles. You see, our life, when we're walking with God, is not just one, this nice little neat path that we walk. In fact, God makes it very clear. Write down this passage of scripture so you can read it later. Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 18. Exodus 13, 17 through 18. And it's a statement that God makes because as the children of Israel are leaving the wilderness over 40 years from this moment, he says, there is a quick an easy path to get to the promised land, but we're not gonna take that because you're not ready for it. You see, what God knows is what he knows we need before we receive and enjoy the fullness of the blessing. Because if we just follow God for the blessing, we're not really following him because we love him. And God knows, I've gotta take you through the wilderness. I've gotta take you through the valley of the shadow of death, And it doesn't mean I'm not there. In fact, it's in those moments that my presence and my power is going to be manifested in in the most meaningful ways to you. But all of us don't get to that vision. None of us get to this this beautiful picture of goodness and abundance apart from going through the wilderness, apart from the hardship, and apart from the pain. And, And what... What is beautiful about following God and what is beautiful about trusting God is that we know this. Not everything that happens to us is good. When God says that it may go well with you, this this desire that God has to do us good. But because we live in a fallen, sinful world and because you and I are both sinners ourselves, we have brought destruction and pain and death in so many ways. But what we have this promise with and through Jesus Christ is though things in our lives, chapters in our lives, may not be good. God works all things for good. And he can take us to the promised land through the wilderness when we trust in him. It's not an easy, it's not an easy path. It's not an easy life. But we've got to realign our wills. And some of you right now in this room are really wrestling with God. Because maybe there's a time in your life where you're saying, God, you know, you were young and you're, you're vibrant and you're saying, God, I'm, I want to follow you. I'm going to live my life for you. And you chose to do that. And then, man, just life smacks you in the face. And you're wrestling, God, I believe you wanted me to do this thing. I believe you wanted me to follow you. But it has not been easy. It hasn't been the easy, quickest path to the blessing, to the promised land. And that's to remind us. That's to remind us that God is working in us. He's working us to make sure that our our, our motivation, our desires, is for Him and Him alone. And He knows how and when to give us the fullness of His abundance. Now, as as we're as I was reading and saying this passage, you know there there. The reality is we are not Israel and we're not standing in front of the promised land. And and the vision to make us into a great nation is not the same for us today as it was for them. But we have something better. And we have something better through the person of Jesus. Because just like Jesus, or just like God had this these people and said, Let's try this again. The ultimate, let's try this again, was with Jesus. Because you and I, we can't do it. We'll never be able to obey completely, perfectly, to receive the fullness of the, God's blessing on our own. And that's why God sent his son, Jesus. He sent his son, Jesus, because he said, they can't do it, but you can. And so Jesus came. And what Jesus did with the order of things, because remember, you reap what you sow. What Jesus came is to, he came in the fullness of grace and truth, to live the life that we could not live with perfect righteousness, and to give us the blessings of that. And in our lives, our sin, our rebellion, he took the punishment for that on the cross. And so what Jesus came to say is, now I will reap what you sow, and you will reap what I sow. That is the grace of God. And lastly, we have a, we have a future beho- before us. We don't have just a, 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 a land before us and a promise of a long life before us. But we have a promise of Jesus Christ. This is I have, I have come not only to give you life and life abundantly, but I've come to give you eternal life with me. See, Jesus offers to you and I a greater blessing. A greater fulfillment of the promises of God and a greater vision for what he wants his kingdom to look like. And so the question that you and I have to ask ourselves is, have, has Jesus, is Jesus truly the, the one that I have a relationship with? One of the, my, favorite, my, my favorite verses in, is in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, because Paul says, uh, you know, Blessed be the God and Father of all mercies, that, that through Christ, We have have received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. All of the blessings of God, the fullness of blessings of God are found through the person of Jesus Christ. But guess what? We don't get those blessings apart from a relationship. And so if you do not have a relationship with God, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then those blessings that God is offering to you today, you will not find them in anywhere else or anyone else and how you find those blessings and how you have a relationship with God is simply this you understand your reality and your need for a savior you understand that you've done your you've tried to live life your own way you've tried to live according to your own vision and you understand your sin and your rebellion has, has separated you from God and that what you deserve is not blessing but the curses that God is giving to the the, the repercussion of our sinful behavior But Jesus has stepped in. He died on the cross for your sins and mine and now offers to us the fullness of forgiveness and the fullness of a relationship with him when we repent of our sins and place our faith in him. And that's the opportunity I want to leave you with this morning. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, now is the day to do it. And in just a moment, we're going to close this time, but if you have questions about how to do that or you have more questions about what it means to have a relationship with him, come see me. We have a prayer team out in the lobby. We'd love to talk with you. But that is the most important decision you can make today. Let's finish this sermon. There's three application questions, then we're done. Number one, whose vision do you have? Whose vision do you have? Do you have your vision of what the good life looks for you? Or do you have God's vision? Think about what you pictured in the beginning of this sermon. Where was God? Where was God in that picture? Is it all about you, or is it, it was about something bigger? Is it about, is it, do you have the vision that God has for you and your family? Number two, are you living within God's order? Are you living within God's order? Are you trying to get things from God without, without the relationship? Or are you leading with the relationship saying, God, you're enough. You let the blessings come in your plan and in your timing. And that leads us to question three. Have you submitted to God's plan for his vision? Some of you right now are, are questioning, man, I just, I've decided to, I decided to follow God. I've been trying to do God things, God's things God's way. But man, I'm, through the, I'm in the wilderness right now. My hope and my prayer for you is don't give up. Keep trusting in God's faithfulness. He is faithful to his promises. And he's faithful to his promises because he paid for that promise. And he guarantees that promise through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Don't give up. Don't turn your back. Keep moving forward. Keep trusting and aligning your heart to God's.